You're listening to The Capital Table. Private capital markets have been evolving for many years, but never more so than in recent times. Take a seat at The Capital Table with leading experts discussing insights into the private equity and M&A worlds, and take away the knowledge you need to excel in a rapidly changing marketplace. We know this is one table you'll leave feeling full and satisfied. Welcome to Witham's Private Equity Podcast Series. We're talking about the changes in the credit and debt markets in the age of COVID-19. Hi, I'm Steve Brady, partner and practice leader of Transaction Advisory at Witham. We're very pleased today to be joined by two of our good friends, Mark Burkett, partner in the Debt Advisory Group at Livingstone Partners, and Steve Lewis, Managing Director with Capstone Headwaters. So before we get to talking about the state of the debt markets, maybe Mark first and then Steve, you can tell us a little bit about your backgrounds. Good morning, Steve. Uh, Thanks for having me on, I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, I'm a, as you mentioned, partner in our debt advisory practice at Livingstone. Livingstone is a middle market investment bank uh, focused on both healthy M&A debt advisory as well as special situations. And in, in my role, we help clients raise capital, everything from asset-based loans through non-control equity, uh, both in healthy as well as more challenged situations. I've been at Livingstone about four years in the investment banking debt advisory world for about nine years and in middle market leverage finance for about 17 years. Okay, this is uh, Steve Lewis. Uh, again, Steve, thank you very much for uh, asking uh, uh, me and, and my firm to participate. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Um, I'm a grizzled veteran of the uh, middle market uh, lending space, having, uh, having spent about 40 years in the game at a variety of institutions. Um, my role at Capstone Headwaters is I head up the international debt advisory practice for uh, uh, Capstone Headwaters. So transactions involving um, debt capital needs outside of the United States or inbound in certain circumstances are part of my remit for the firm. Uh, We are a middle market uh, focused uh, full service investment bank uh, with uh, 16 offices, 175 professionals in the United States and a network of a further 440 professionals around the world. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Mark. So let's get to talking about the state of the debt markets. Um, and in you know no particular order, but certainly with those backgrounds, you can see Steve's got a lot of experience on the international markets and, and Mark primarily focused domestically, but their firms and them as individuals are, are working all around the world. So looking forward to your insight, uh, Mark, Steve, uh, you know, lenders state they're open for business. Uh, so what categories of lenders are getting deals done and what are they doing in this pandemic environment? Well, Mark, I'll toss it to you first. Yeah, it's um, generally speaking, I think most lenders are open for business at this point. Uh, that may not have been the case early on in the, the pandemic in the in the second quarter. But as we sit here today, I think it's a fair statement that both commercial banks as, as well as private credit funds are open for business. Um, certainly their credit appetites have changed over time and I'm sure we'll get into that a little more, but I think what we're seeing is a, uh, a tightening of underwriting standards for certain businesses. Uh, at the same time for, for other industries, we are seeing it's almost as low, nothing has happened. 
and the, the demand for solid credits that haven't been impacted by COVID is as strong as ever. Uh, and le levels that we're seeing in terms of pricing leverage are at pre-pandemic levels today uh, with fewer, fewer deals in market available to those lenders. And that's driving demand from those lenders uh, and driving terms to the borrower's favor. No, I would agree, I would agree with with Mark's overall comment. A couple of couple of further uh, refinements. Um, I think the uh, question of, of whether lenders are open for business is also dependent upon what sectors those lenders lend into. Um, certainly, there's been a retraction of transactions overall in terms of overall volume, but certainly in certain in certain areas of the economy, notably things like retail and, and mineral and mining, um, you know, they've dropped off the face of the earth in large, in large measure and, and lenders are quite skeptical going into those sectors. Uh, contrasting that with, for example, IT, healthcare, um, and anything, anything that has to do with industrial technology, lenders are, are quite anxious to, uh, to look at those things. Um, I would agree generally with Mark that, that pricing and, 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 um, um, uh, leverage um, have come back somewhat. Uh, I, I don't completely think that the uh, that pricing and leverage has come back to pre-pandemic levels. Um, certainly, the data we look at across a number of different providers would suggest that there's still a bit of tightening uh, in the pricing area, as well as uh, um, looking very carefully at capital structures and making sure that. Uh, the leverage, the leverage is a, is something that can be can be covered, um, and a lot of as Mark correctly said, there's a lot more scrutiny in the underwriting process in terms of um, whether a particular business has weathered the COVID COVID storm and what its prospects are for um, you know the future. Yeah, Mark, Steve touched on a few of the sectors that are either more active, less active, I and mean, what's your view on the sectors that deals are getting done in? It's it's very clearly those that were unimpacted. And you think about the, the, those types of industries, uh, as Steve mentioned, technology, software, th those were the ones that have really just flown right through relatively unscathed. Uh, insurance, anything that's touching the insurance world where even uh, if you're not driving your car as much, there's still going to be a need for people to renew their car insurance. And so insurance brokerages, insurance services, um, government services. We've even seen pretty strong demand from lenders in certain, I would call them essential consumer services, things like pest control, HVAC. Again, you're, you're not going to allow your air conditioner or furnace to, to go unrepaired no matter what's going on. And so those types of businesses which have really flown through COVID relatively unscathed, maybe some some early bumps along along the way, but um, demand for those types of businesses has been incredibly strong. And it seems as though it's only getting stronger as we uh, start realizing who the, the, the truly impacted businesses are. Um, and it, it makes the, the ones that are not impacted shine even a little bit brighter. Yeah, I would. I, I agree with that, and I would also add um, in the business services sector, particularly the uh, the BPO sector, um, outsourced services. Um, you know, particularly in this kind of environment where people are trying to find a way to uh, get things done remotely, um, those those businesses have have attracted quite a bit of attention, not only you know from from lenders, but you know on the M and A side of things as well. So. Um, 
that's another area of the economy that is, uh, um, you know, moving along at a nice clip. So overall, certainly it's also going to vary by sector, but uh, what are the two of you seeing from a, a pricing leverage standpoint? Um, again, over general comment without individual differences between sectors. Um, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, I, as I mentioned, it, it's become a little bit of the world of haves and haves nots, and I, I, I don't think I'm very uh, unique in saying that. That seems to be a general consensus out there. And if if you are if you will fall into the have and the have being relatively unimpacted by COVID, uh, pricing and leverage is as robust as it was back in February uh, before everything before everything changed. And so you're seeing full leverage multiples, uh, relatively aggressive pricing for, for those types of businesses. If you have been impacted, your business has been impacted and has not shown a rebound yet, I, there may not be a market for your business out there. We, we, we've, we've been in market with a couple of businesses that have not turned the corner as they had anticipated. And while there was initial interest from lenders, as, as it became clear that the, the downturn was going to be more protracted for those businesses, um, there was there really was no market at which lenders were interested in, in transacting. And then, you know, somewhere in between those businesses that, that were hit and now started to show some resilience and come back, uh, leverage is down anywhere from a half to a full turn and pricing may be up 50 to 100 basis points, nowhere near what it was um, in the first few months of the shutdown where, uh, pricing had, had ramped up quite, quite significantly. I, th I think things have moderated. And again, it, it definitely matters how, how you've been impacted through, through the last six, seven months. I, I think all of that, uh, Mark stated is, is directionally and, and, and correct and, and very accurate. I would add to that, however, that there is a there's a difference um, in the size of the transactions, and that's and that really does impact a, a lender's thought process. The data we look at um, would suggest that if you're in the total enterprise value range of say, for example, you know, ten to to uh, um, twenty five uh, million, um, you know, the very small cap uh, end of the marketplace. Um, you know your your leverage, the, your total leverage available in the marketplace, from regardless of what source, you know is is going to be a lot lower uh, by by almost two full turns than a business that you know its enterprise value is someplace between 100 and 250. So you've got you've got the the size matters issue out there as well, and that translates, of course, not not only into um, the total debt, but to the pricing of that debt. So I think you've got not you've got a number of things working here. You've got you've got sector preference, you've got size preference, and that translates in, in, into pricing. And as Mark correctly said, to the extent that in any of those things um, that you can demonstrate you're either COVID proof or COVID resilient versus COVID impacted, um, it's going to you know make a huge difference um, in the availability of credit. What are the two of you seeing? I mean, we've seen number of deals as it relates to COVID, where you know revenues have been generously uh, lifted because of COVID in various industries. What are the you know the underwriting criteria lenders are looking at? I know that's something that we're working very closely with clients on. To what is that sustainable revenue stream? 
you know, how much of this is a permanent up, uplift versus a temporary during COVID. Is that then area lenders are are really digging into, you know, how does that impact the, the leverage ratios and the underwriting? Um, let me let me start, Mark. Uh, you can chime in for me, chime in on me, okay? Um, I Steve, you hit it you hit it right on the head. The sustainability question, the recurring revenue question, um, the ability to to have you know a, a line of sight to what's going to happen next uh, is something that I think the lenders are really starting to pay a lot more attention to than they were pre-COVID. Um, there was an awful lot of um, shall we say leniency pre-COVID around um, uh, what we saw as, as revenue generation and add backs to EBITDA and, and that sort of stuff as they kind of tried to figure out how much to lend. I think now there's a lot more um, skepticism on add backs. Uh, I also think that uh, um, the, 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 re- the reality of the revenue and to your, your point, Steve, about you know, a lot of businesses having nice, nice, healthy upticks in their revenue numbers. You know, is that is that going to go down when people when people have something else to do other than you know take care of their homes and do that sort of thing? So, uh, what we've seen um, both domestically as well as internationally is a uh, is a laser focus on on revenue sources of revenue, sustainability of revenue, um, and uh, predictability of that. Yeah, he nailed it. And you know, it's for, from an anecdotal perspective, we were actually working on a transaction. It's almost hard to believe, but they, they had shifted some production to produce hand sanitizer you know, straight out of the, the headlines. And lenders certainly looked at that with uh, a little bit of an askew eye, wondering how sustainable the ramp, the margins and the ramp and revenue associated with hand sanitizer was. And what we had seen there was there there was certainly um, it was there was belief that it could be a new category for that business, but certainly not sustainable at the levels or at the margins that they had been been getting. The good news was that that thing when we had been looking at it, it had been in the, the the financials for only a few months, and so it made up a relatively small portion of the overall earnings. But I think as we we get now six seven months into uh, the impact being felt, and if there is an uplift that is starting to become a larger portion of the overall TTM profile of the business, I think we're going to see increasing scrutiny from lenders on being willing to underwrite that that elevated, whether it's from a new product category or just an up general uplift in sales. And I think the one caveat, if I can contradict myself to that, is I, I think there's a, there is a general belief out there that our lives in terms of how we go about doing many things has probably changed Maybe not permanently, but certainly pretty significantly. And um, I think there, there, there are going to be cases to be made that there is a permanence to some changes that these businesses experience. Because I think as consumers and people, uh, you know, business people going going about our daily lives, uh, we're going to start going about things a little bit differently. And so if, if you're able to make a case that um, that 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 changes as a you know, sort of a, a believable path to being a little more permanent. I think you have a better chance of getting support for that, but I certainly think the increasing component of that uptick in TTM is going to be something that we we start dealing with more and more. Yeah, those are great insights. Let's uh, let's change our attention to the rest of the world. You know, certainly we're seeing a, a great increase in cross-border activity, uh, mostly inbound, uh, in particular 
uh, from Europe, looking at uh, several different sectors in the U.S. I guess just at a high level, I mean, what's what's your view on that? Certainly start with you, Steve, on uh, you know, the cross-border activity, how lenders are viewing that increase, and what are the important dynamics there? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure this podcast is long enough. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you'd asked me that question, Steve, in the second quarter, I would have said uh, cross-border activity, inbound or outbound, was uh, more or less dead. Um, it, it's changed in the third quarter. Um, there's a recognition that, uh, um, notwithstanding certain, you know, certain people's views in a variety of governments, the world is global and supply chains are global, and um, all of that. So the, the notion is, you know, how do how do we, you know, what do we have to do to grow our businesses, and where does that mean we have to grow? Um, it's not surprising um, that um, activity has picked up inbound from Europe into the U.S. Um, we see it uh, quite a bit right now. Indeed, um, we just completed a transaction involving um, Canada, U.S., and and Germany um, just in the last uh, week to ten days. So. We are um, uh, we are um, cautiously optimistic that that is going to be a sustainable trend. Uh, the reason I say it's not surprising coming from from Europe is um, notwithstanding um, the way our um, our economy may have uh, bounced around a bit over the last um, couple of years. Um, there's still a, a wide held, widely held belief that the, that the U.S. is a um, safer haven than a lot of other places for uh, for foreign investment, and um, they also understand that there's a, a a rather large pool of of available capital in the United States as well as talent in the United States, and so to the extent that they want to, and of course the United States is, depending on whose statistics you read, the first or second largest uh, you know, consumer market in the, in the world, so the result is um, if you, if you want to be a global player um, in you know, just about any industry, you need to have a presence in the United States. So um, while Europe was shut down for a while, there are, there are cautious uh, um, reaches back in, in, in into the states in certain industries, certainly in healthcare, in IT, um, in as I said before, in industrial technology applications. Um, all of those things, people are, are universally focused on the notion that you know this pandemic has has demonstrated that you know technology is going to be a driver of growth. So um, you know those kinds of things. Of course, in, inbound investment into technology also has the possibility of getting in front of uh, the, the uh, CFIUS um, and having uh, additional governmental scrutiny. But, you know, plan, planning for that and planning ahead, you can get through that. We just, as I said, we just completed a transaction where that was true. So it is, it's a mixed bag. Um, there's, uh, without going into too much, taking up too much more time, um, you know, the Asia Pacific um, investment in the United States, of course, is met with some some considerable pushback at a, both a governmental as well as other levels for a host of reasons that are well beyond the the uh, scope of this podcast. But the notion is that um, you know the Asian investment is is uh, still out there. They still want to be in the United States, and there's still interest in that investment. But it's it has a few more um, hurdles to get over than uh, than inbound from from Europe. Uh, with that, I'll turn it over to Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I don't know that I'm going to try to um, try to top it. Steve obviously has such a long history of dealing internationally. The one thing that we have seen at Livingstone, and we, we deal primarily in the lower end of the middle market, 5 to $15 million of EBITDA. We have more employees over in, in Western Europe than we do in the U.S. And before all of this, the, the COVID pandemic hit, we had seen just a continued uptick in the need for us to market our transactions, our M&A transactions on a cross-border basis. And to all, you know, all the reasons that Steve mentioned, we anticipate that even at the lower end of the middle market, that's only going to continue then that this pandemic probably has only accelerated people's need to look elsewhere for yield protection, diversity, whatever it might be. Um, and so we think for, for businesses like ours, where we have a, a true international footprint, we're going to be the benefactor of some of those changes or I guess ongoing changes. Yeah, I, w- I would echo that, Mark. I, not, not to belabor the point, but with our with our about 30% of our annual volume on a on a historical basis is cross border. Um, you know that took a that took a hit in the second quarter, but it's coming back pretty pretty robustly. So, you know, I think the trend line trend line's going in the right direction. Yeah, and certainly we're seeing the trend line in the right direction to pick up on those words. And Mark, Steve, this has been a just a great discussion on the state of the the debt markets and what's going on here in the United States and cross-border. So thank you again for your time today. You've been listening to The Capital Table. For more information, please visit withem.com. Thank you for listening.